Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for making us to see this day. As we have come to worship before you now, we pray, Lord, that you would bless this devotion with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Grant to us the gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and help us to understand the things that we will be hearing from you. We pray, Father, that you will give us the grace to also put in practice everything we will learn. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, September 30 Youth to Stand Up for Christ For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Luke chapter 9 verse 26 Always stand up for Christ. In word, in spirit, in action, be his witness. He loves you and he wants to impart to you his rich grace that you may impart this to others. Christ has purchased you with his own blood. Then, everywhere, at all times, and under all circumstances, stand up for Jesus. Remember that thus you will exert the very best influence upon all with whom you associate. It is your privilege ever to grow in grace, advancing in the knowledge and love of God. If you maintain the sweet communion with Christ, it is your privilege to enjoy. In the simplicity of humble faith, ask the Lord to open your understanding that you may discern and appreciate the precious things of His Word. Thus, you may grow in grace, grow in simple trusting faith. Then your light will shine forth to all with whom you associate. Keep your mind fixed upon the Savior. Be sure that your spiritual life does not become poor, sickly, inefficient. There are many who have need of the words and example of a Christian. Weakness and indecision provoke the assaults of the enemy, and anyone who fails to increase in spiritual growth in a knowledge of truth and righteousness will frequently be overcome by the enemy. Let your countenance reflect the joy of the Lord. Speak of His goodness and tell of His power. Then your light will shine more and more distinctly. Above your trials and disappointments will be revealed the reflection of a pure, healthy, religious life. There is no limit to the influence of the human agent who wears the yoke with Christ. Daily, he studies the life of Christ and conforms his life to the divine pattern. It is by the manifestation of the Spirit of Christ in our words and actions that the world takes knowledge of us, that we have been with Jesus, that we are the children of God. The true nature of our religion is in the gentle spirit, the kindness, the peace which 
we manifest. Amen. The topic of the devotion seems to be addressing the youths, but of course, the counsel here applies to every human being who professes the name of Christ. And the message in one word, in one phrase is stand up for Christ. That's just what it's saying. So the question we should be asking is how do we stand up for Christ? In what ways do we stand up for Christ? The first line is there saying it always stand up for Christ in word, in spirit, in action, be his witness. The meaning of stand up means is that we should represent Christ, be his witness. That's the meaning of standing up. To stand up means to be bold, to be courageous, to not be ashamed, to be on his side. To not be ashamed to be like him. To not be ashamed to show that you believe the things he believes and that you behave like him. When we stand up for Christ, it means that at the face of mockery, ridicule, reproach, and even loss, we will not even show any incline towards shame, towards disappointment, or even feeling at a loss that we are doing what Christ asked us to do or that we are reflecting his character. Of course, the youths have a lot of challenge in standing up for Christ because of peer pressure. And that's why perhaps it's addressed to the youth, say youth stand up for Christ. Because among the youths, it's a strange thing to stand up for Christ. Among adults, it's not a strange thing. So it's not so difficult to profess to be one who believes in Christ, to be moral, to not support certain things and not have certain behaviors. But among the youth, it's really scarce. And that's why the word there used for them is stand up. Because when you do that, you would be like one in a million. You would be easily singled out. You would be like the passage in the, you'll be, the passage in the Bible referred to you where it says that he that does righteousness maketh himself a prey. People will pick on you. But then we are being urged to be courageous. So how do we do this? It means that when we are in the company of our friends, when things are done we, that we know is not in line with the words of God, like the things we have studied earlier, talking about pornography, talking about movies and music, it is seen as a mark of uh intelligence or you are seen as someone who people want to copy mentor so you have swag like they say when you can relate with these things when you know the latest music when you know the latest movie when you know so much about the popular people of the world and the celebrities just to know them that's all you are seen as someone that is in line you are in vogue and then your friends clap for you your friends want to be around you they feel like a hey you are you are you are you are the happening person but when you frown at these things people will mock us or speak ill of us and it's not a good experience it's not a good experience at all because you may not have much friends but then if you are bold about it you will not be ashamed as in if you are bold you won't even feel what they say as in all those statements they make in mockery because you refuse to join them 
in doing the evil that they are doing or you tell them plainly that look this music is not right it's not good or you tell them i can't i don't watch this kind of movies and you explain to them why because it contains things that are ungodly that will affect my mind and affect yours too of course people will laugh at you for doing that but guess what you're having an influence on them so one of them is going to think go home and think about these things and it will influence them to make a decision later in their life when they see a youth like them making the right decision for christ it is an influence that touches others to make the right decision also for christ so standing up is so that we can have influence on others and we influence them when we show our true colors to them what we really believe we make it prominent that we believe these things and even in the family the same thing happens i want to read something that talks about the reason why we do not have much influence in our family among our family members i'm reading from review and herald january 9 1894 paragraph 10 it says there are many in the church who at heart belong to the world but god calls upon those who claim to believe the advanced truth to rise above the present attitude of the popular churches of today where is the self-denial where is the cross-bearing that christ has said should characterize his followers this is the cross that comes with standing for the right that where is it you have to bear it you have to carry it so now let me read further it says the reason we have had so little influence upon unbelieving relatives and associates is that we have manifested little decided difference in our practices from those of the world parents need to awake and purify their souls by practicing the truth in their home life when we reach the standard that the lord would have us reach worldlings that is worldly people will regard seventh day adventists as odd singular straight-laced extremists we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men so do you wonder why you are not having much influence on your friends unbelieving friends and unbelieving relatives it's no surprise when you are not showing the difference between your character and theirs the difference between your beliefs and theirs it should be no surprise to you that no one is changing it is not it is not a mark of christian character to be amiable when things are going wrong in the direction that is against christ and you feel that oh it is good to blend and to be friendly no that's not the time to be friendly when things are going against the principles of god you must show your true colors that you do not support this thing i remember recently hearing my my brother give a testimony about unconscious to myself how it affected him how my own beliefs affected him he was telling someone the story of how conversion happens and he gave an example and said that he remembers when i made a change i didn't tell him he said i didn't tell him that he just noticed that when i came home though he didn't know i had made a decision i'm no longer re- listening to worldly music watching football uh, watching movies but he said he noticed that when i came home that i was behaving differently and that when he played the music that was rude boy by rihanna that he saw that i just was i just left the room for him and went somewhere else to do what i wanted to do now this is about 10 years ago and he is saying this story like two weeks ago 
how it affected him. I said nothing to him about the music. I just showed that, okay, I'm not listening to this kind of music. I didn't tell him. But he marked it. And he said later, he started to study why I was doing what I was doing. He asked questions. I know that there were times he even mocked me. But if I thought that he's mocking me, therefore, he is not paying attention to what I'm doing. But today, he's not listening to those music anymore. He has discarded them. And so many changes he has made in his life, not because of discussions we had. And even when we had discussions, he did mock me, he did ridicule me. But I didn't pay attention to those things. It was by the difference I showed. And it caused a friction in the home. There was lots of friction for years just because I wouldn't join them to listen to this music. I wouldn't join them to watch this movie. There was a lot of friction. But it was having an effect on them. Not just him, even my mom. And today they are making changes. They have made changes in fact. And by God's grace, they are coming closer and closer to Christ. So it is true that if you want to have an influence on our friends and relatives, you must show that decided difference. That is stand up for Christ. May God give us that boldness and grace to stand up for him in all situations in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus made a strong statement when he said, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory and in his Father's and of the angels. Luke 9.26 Shame is a subject Jesus is trying to address here. Why should we be ashamed of Jesus? I want to speak on two notes. One is God has been good to us. I remember the character Christian in Pilgrim's Progress. Once he carried the heavy burden of his sins and that seemed to him to be the heaviest burden in his life. At a time he didn't know how to solve that problem. He met different characters. He met Mr. Wadley Wise. He met, went to the house of morality. He met evangelists who told him the right way. Following on evangelist advice, Christian came to the cross and his burden was taken away. Let me pause here for a moment. His burden, which is sin, which is our heaviest burden in life, was taken away. I see no reason except that shame still comes upon us by Satan's suggestion. Why that which is the most heaviest burden of life is taken away by Christ himself for which nothing in this world can take away and then later we still feel ashamed of the same Christ who took away our guilt, our poverty, our emptiness, our sadness, a hole or an emptiness which we were trying so much to fill with so many things in life. And that's why Jesus here is saying, if anyone is ashamed of me, then you're not worthy of me. So Christian, having met faithful some time along the way, faithful narrated to him of the story of shame. A commentary says that shame has no shame for himself. Faithful imp- impression is that shame is misnamed. Shame is the champion champion of the world and a reviler of ways of God. He values worldly vice, not heavenly virtue. He mocks those who would give serious thought and attention to God's word. Shame is convinced that religion is foolish and belief in God is a, is a weakness. Religion may be fine for the poor and those who are less fortunate 
but it is unbecoming to educated to the educated and enlightened those who should know better it is not seemingly for those who would be mighty rich or wise in this world to so abase themselves he scorns those who would ask forgiveness feel conviction make restitution sorrow over sin give benevolence to the poor or label vices as sin he thinks it is shame it is a shame that people would be so taken but shame's belief and boast should not surprise us god's ways are not man's ways paul tells us that for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god i want our boldness to come from the power of who the power of god to save which nothing in this world can save nobody can be saved by his certificate or by the applause of men from sin not even our education can save us from sin not even our family members can save us from sin from the from the addictions of life so why should we be ashamed so i i want to bring this as a reason one of the reasons why we should not be ashamed what god has done for us is immeasurable and is a slight on him to look to other things which cannot solve our life's problem the second thing i want to emphasize on is the bible says study to show yourself approved the workman that need not to be what ashamed rightly what dividing the world of truth for us to be able to appreciate what god has done for us we need to take time to study study our faith study our our life uh, our lives in respect to christ study, study to appreciate the very things christ have done for us then despising that shame which satan will bring to us because he's the one who makes us feel like we've lost something or we have nothing bible would talk of jesus and said that who for the joy that was set what before him despised the what the shame endured the cross so there's something jesus did intellectually in his mind he was looking for the days ahead what we have is eternal life the world does not have it see no matter how glittering the sky ta- uh, skyscrapers no matter how well dressed and well laced or how much is in the accounts the world does not have eternal life they are not free from sin they keep going from one habit to another habit from one addiction to another addiction from changing garments to other thing the world is empty you have it in christ and we should not fall for their gimmicks and that's why jesus the bible say he despised the shame and then he endured the cross so we may have some things to endure that shame we want to bring upon us or people may want to endure it for the sake of what is set ahead of us and i pray as we do these things as young people we will receive the smile the handshake of jesus amen all right continuing from what i said earlier about my own experience of standing up and how it blessed my own family members and relatives i would even want to add that the truth is i cannot even remember the experience my brother said it was him that it affected so when he was telling the story i was wondering when did this happen i can't even remember that's how the record of our lives goes without us remembering anyway but the point is when we stand for the right people are influenced i know how this thing happens everywhere i go and in my place where i was the place where i was working before the same thing you find out that when you boldly there's a way you stand you know in the devotion he said that those who are weak i pray 
to Satan. That weakness does not necessarily mean that they are falling every time. There's a way you stand for what is right and you are weak in it. And you make yourself a prey for people. Because you show that when you are standing for the right, you are, not, you, are not, you are timid about it. You are not valiant for truth. You do it in such a way to make people think that you are vacillating. You are not very sure of what you are doing. Your dress, when you stand for the right in your dress and you are not bold about it, you are not putting a smile on your face, you are not showing that you are happy in what you are doing. You make people feel like they should pity you as if you are suffering. And that's not the right way to stand. That's not what this passage means, what we are reading now. That's not, God, that's a very timid... In fact, Christ will still be ashamed of you for doing that. Because you make people feel like following him is a drudgery. You make people feel like following him is something they should not even attempt. Like they should run away from it, that this high is is very painful. When you are standing for the right, you should do it with cheerfulness, with boldness, with courage, with happiness, with joy. And that is the only way it can look attractive to other people. Let them know that when you are eating that food without the fish, without the meat, that it is doing well to your body and you are happy doing it. Let them know that when you dress with the gowns and with your body well covered, whether as a guy or as a lady, that you are pleased in doing it. You don't make them feel like you are, you are timid or it's causing you to be ashamed because you are doing what is right. Which leads me to what I want to read now. How parents also play a role in making their children not to stand. There are many ways and many aspects of life where we, could, where we should stand as adults and youth. In our social life, in our dress, in our diet, in our choice of the day to worship, in every commandment of God. But the context in which what I'm going to read now is, is um, written is the context of dress but I'm not singling only dress it's just that what is written here is just about dress but you can apply it to many other things so I'm reading from pamphlet pamphlet 123 page 61 paragraph 1 it says this modest healthful style of dress does not change with every varying fashion that is the right kind of dress it doesn't change if mothers would move from principle and with the united influence of the father, dress their daughters sensibly, clothing their limbs in a manner to preserve health and life, irrespective of fashion, they will be doing a good work, which will be reflected back upon them again in blessings. Young girls who wear the reform dress are shielded from many temptations. They are continually learning to think and act for themselves, independent of what others may say and do so when we encourage ourselves or children to do right at a young age you are teaching them an invaluable lesson of independence regardless of what is happening around them how many people can really stand out like do something different from what your friends are doing which is what this devotion is about not just doing anything different too, but doing the right thing which is different from what everybody is doing. When you learn this at a young age, you learn independence. You are not moved by what is happening around you. If everybody go this way, you join them. If they go this way, you join them. That's crowd mentality. You can't stand for yourself. It's only what people say and do that you do. I don't know how anybody can feel comfortable knowing that they are being moved by what people say and do as in you are not you are not independent you are just affected by everything around you for me personally it makes me feel like i'm subhuman i'm not living up to my human capacity like i should be because when i'm moving by what everybody says and does i feel like i'm not human again 
Because human humanity is all about reasoning for yourself, finding out what is right, and doing it. Not just because everybody is doing it. And in this aspect of dress, you see it both with males and females. Everyone wants to dress with respect to their age per se. You look at the adults, you don't see a man dressed in shorts, like shorts, and just walk outside to walk. But you see that a young youth will do it, not because it is right, but because his mates are doing it. And then you find out that when he reaches a certain age, because his mates now are dressing corporate, he will join them to dress corporate. And then for women, when they get married, because all married women like to wear rapper, they join to wear rapper. But when they are not married and they are still young, they will not dress in that way. It's just a, you're just following crowd mentality, no independence whatsoever, no moral courage, and that's what we encourage in children when we tell them to do differently, do right, regardless of what their mates are doing. It says they are learning to have true moral courage to do right and choose right, although there is a cross in so doing. Continuing the reading, the majority of youth of this age have no strength to resist temptation. The inclination is to, is strong to follow fashion dress as worldlings do and attend parties and mingle with the world in their amusements they have not the firmness of character and foresight to consider the dangers to which they may be exposed if they okay if they have a desire to do this or do that duty and dangers bear no weight with them inclination overbears every other consideration they have no experience in moving from principle and a sense of duty having the fear of God before them. Now, what is the problem? In most cases, parents are responsible for this love of self-gratification and the deficiency of moral independence in their children. Parents have not educated their children to restrict their desires. They have not taught them to practice self-denial. Their reform dress would prove a safeguard to their daughters, separating them from the evils of fashionable society that to associate with would do them only injury and lead them to neglect the religion of the Bible. Now, she wants to tell a story. She says, A family of my acquaintance had three interesting daughters who were convicted of the truth and gave evidence of change of heart. These children were willing to put on the reform dress, but the parents, through pride, wished their children to dress as others dressed. They objected to their being singular from the world. They feared that remarks would be made upon their children's dress. This family had great light. The Spirit of God worked in their behalf to save them from ruin. They had undoubted evidence that the testimonies were of God, and yet they trifled with the light given relative to their reformed dress because it crossed their pride. Their children were sent away from home to school and mingled with young company, and engaged with the young generally in their parties of pleasure and amusement. They dressed as others of their companions dressed and lost their interest in the truth. I heard the parents with deep feeling express their regret that they did not encourage their daughters to put on the reform dress from principle. They said if they had done so, they were now convinced their children would be with them in the truth. That means the children left the truth. The reform dress would have kept them separate from the world. They would not have had so strong inclination to attend parties of pleasure and mingle with their worldly companions in exciting amusements which diverted their minds from God and the truth. You see, the consequence of not encouraging independence, moral courage in children and separation from the world. 
eventually these were children who were actually affected by the truth and were convicted and wanted to do right but their parents stifled that ability and then what happened next they went on following the world in bad dress and you know very well that for you to attend those parties you cannot use reformed dress to attend party so if they had been wearing that reformed dress it would have been a barrier for them to do so many things and go many places but because the reform dress was not there, when they went to school, they felt comfortable discussing with people in certain things, felt comfortable to go to the parties. And then the rest is history. They were away from the truth because of just the issue of dress. But like I said, it's not just dress I'm talking about. The issue I'm bringing up here is that the parents did not encourage moral courage in their children and independence from the world even we see it today in schools you send children to school and then the the school says we are doing end of the year party or we are doing this easter this celebration or this uh, end of the end of the term or end of session and all that many parents know that their children are not supposed to be in that place but so that they will not feel as if our own case is the worst so that they will not feel as if we are different they don't want that cross of feeling different they pay for their children to attend these parties and those outings so that they will not feel left out. But what is the consequence? The children are taken away from the truth. You do not encourage moral independence. Whereas if they had done that for the child, the child will know I am different. Whenever there is a party and we are not attending, the child knows I am different. There is something different about me and that's why I don't go for these things. And he would have grown up with such a mindset so that when he goes other places, he can choose for himself and know that I am different. I don't do these things. But the parents encourage it in them. So let us learn to encourage moral independence in our children, moral courage in the children, and even in ourselves. May God help us as we do that in Jesus' name. Okay. The last paragraph says, There is no limit to the influence of the human agent who wears the yoke of Christ. Now this one will take us to the section of influence in um, Christ's object lessons where he says that talent influence is a talent now you see every soul is surrounded by an atmosphere of its own an atmosphere it may be charged with the life-giving power of faith courage and hope and sweet with the fragrance of love or it may be heavy and chill with the gloom of discontent and selfishness or poisonous with the deadly taint of cherished sin by the atmosphere surrounding us every person with whom we come in contact is consciously or unconsciously affected Christ object lessons 339 paragraph 3 this is a responsibility from which we cannot free ourselves. Our words, our acts, our dress, our deportment, even the expression of the countenance has an influence upon the impression thus made. They hang results for good or evil, which no man can measure. Every impulse towards imparted is seed sown, which will produce its harvest. It is a link in the long chain of human age events extending we know not whither if by example we aid others in the development of good principles we give them power to do good in their turn they exert the same influence upon others 
and uh, and they upon still others those by unconscious influence thousands may be blessed throw a pebble into the lake and a wave is formed and another and another and as they increase the circle widens until it reaches the very shore so with influence beyond our knowledge or our control it tells upon others in blessing or cursing character is power the silent witness of a true unselfish godly life carries an almost irresistible influence by revealing in our own life the character of Christ we cooperate with him in the work of saving souls it is only by revealing in our life his character that we can cooperate with him and the wider the sphere of our influence the more good we may do when those who profess to serve God follow Christ's example practicing the principles of the law in their life when every act bears witness that they love God supremely and their neighbor as themselves then will the church have power to move the world amen in the fifth paragraph we are given an alternative let your countenance reflect the joy of the lord speak of his goodness and tell his power then your light will shine above your trials and disappointment will be revealed the reflection of a pure healthy religious life so one way we can attack shame is to speak of god's goodness to us sit down meditate and count your blessings if you're doing the health reform you should be able to count your blessings if you are dressing in a particular way you should be able to count the blessings as promised by god and then tell of the good things god has done for you the most basic i can understand is deliverance from sin i know it's a very expensive uh, uh, privilege to have speak of what god has done for you in the midst of uh, Paul's attacks and accusation i mean sometimes reading the book of acts i was wondering with the kind of accusations or things they did to Paul he should have been crying is it me that you put told all these things i never did all these things so you don't see Paul crying in any of those books in acts he tells them i was this and this is what i am now he speaks both in chains and in prison he sings what i'm saying is we should speak of the goodness of god at all times same thing with Joseph in the prison. You don't see him complaining. Is my madam's wife or my madam's husband, uh, my my august wife or see what has happened? I never did anything. He does not complain. He uses that as an opportunity to speak of what God has done for him. So I want us to take that first approach, so that we would have the benefit. Then the second thing is, when we are studying our religion or the things we are doing, we should itemize the benefits. So that when you are speaking, you are speaking both from experience and by knowledge. Study to to express the things you are doing. For instance, we are told that Seventh Adventists are in, in in the U.S. are the healthiest and longest living sets of people on the world. Now, you you have all the facts either from CNN, Nigel Wide, the Blue Zones, and you place all these facts on the table with humility of course 
that's the knowledge we need to make our points clear. So that's the second thing I want to mention. Then the last thing I want to mention with respect to this subject is on a commentary by a man called Ken Pools on the book I was reading before, The Pilgrim's Progress. It says, The very things that shame would denigrate, God uses to display His power. The things that shame would despise, God uses for His own glory. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 to 29 will say, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So you see, we are, our Lord will be with the herbs. For instance, people don't like the herbs. They like to say they are pharmacists rather. I want to say I am a pharmacist. But God will say I have a farm of plants, not pharmacy now, just the way we take it. People will say I eat uh, beef, I eat uh, hamburger, I eat this and that. But God will say, I eat, you eat your potatoes, you eat tofu, you eat vegetables. You know, simple things. There are no, pri- there's no pride. No one the Bible say that they are which is highly esteemed among men is what an abomination before the eyes of God. So we need to understand what we have been called to do. Faithful is firm in his faith, but shame is a persistent companion. So we need to know that this is something we are going to be meeting every time. Though faithful attempts to ward him off, he keeps coming back, trying to make the world look more reasonable, trying to make religion look more futile. Shame is a foe that we must be on guard against as well. He is one we are likely to meet on our pilgrimage. He is the college professor who ridicules belief in God. She is the co-worker who sees no need for God. He is the skeptic who has found reason to dismiss the claims of the Bible. We see shame in the media as the Christian faith is portrayed as backward, irrational and discriminatory. We hear his voice getting louder in our culture as Christianity is seen more and more to be out of step and with shifting social standards. We must meet shame with courage and steadfastness. Like Paul, we must not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation and Jesus would say for whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father and with his angels we must take God at his word count all things loss all things and pray for divine help to stand firm in our faith christian recommends faithful for bravely resisting shame and he reminds faithful of the proverb the wise shall inherit glory but shame shall be the legacy of fools proverbs 3 verse 35 so we should we, we are not we should not work for the legacy of fools 
we should not work for such a thing. The wise shall inherit the glory. You know, the, one of the lines here said, we should not despair. We should pray. We should not. We should pray. I remember in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, the Bible says, For God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear. But of what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. Pray for that promise. See, even if your heart is agitating and wrestling, go down into your closet. Kneel before God and say, This is what you promised. I'm not going to consult my shame, my fear. You have, you said this is what you're going to give. I agree I have shame. It's true, sometimes we can have the shame. Or Satan will bring it upon us. But let's go to our closet. Pray to God. We have a high calling. And I believe by God's grace, the legacy of fools will not be our portion. In Jesus' name. Amen. One last thing I want to add is I realize that you can actually be courageous to stand for the right and still be ashamed. But you are courageous. And I want to talk about how to lose that shame. We lose that shame by putting ever before us the real truth about what we are doing. First of all, First John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. Ever remember that when you are standing for the right, you are a son of God. Your brothers are angels in heaven. You are you have an inheritance, mansions. You are a prince. And it's not a lie. It's just that we are here for a while and that's why this world is just doing us anyhow. But don't look be, forget about what this world is looking at you like. You are not a pauper. You are not a nobody. As far as Christ has admitted you into his family, you have a mansion waiting for you somewhere. So you shouldn't be ashamed. Don't let any mad person a mad woman laughing at you and you are ashamed. When I say mad person, I'm not talking of people literally being mad. I'm just giving the figure, figure of you seeing a mad person and a mad person is laughing at you in his nakedness and you become ashamed because somebody who is naked is laughing at you for wearing cloth. Why should you be moved when somebody who is naked is laughing at you for wearing cloth? Why should you be moved when someone who has no inheritance, who has nothing, is laughing at you thinking that he has something? Never be ashamed. Always remember that you are a son of the king. And in everything you are doing, you are doing it because you represent another kingdom. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. That is where you are coming from. The, the constitution of that place is different from the one we are, we are keeping here. People are keeping here. You are following another constitution of heaven. And that's why you are different. But it should never make you ashamed. We should be courageous in doing right. And also bold. Make that be our experience in Jesus' name. Let us pray. We thank you, most blessed, most blessed Father, for this morning. Oh, how beautiful it is that you are not ashamed to call us your sons and daughters. And how wonderful it is that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brethren. He took upon himself our mortal flesh. He became like us. He was wounded for our sins and our transgressions. Yet, he calls men and women that are supposed to be burnt and destroyed his brethren. Oh Lord, we have not understood this thing very well. And this is the reason why we are ashamed for what he has called us. And we are sorry. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to understand this in daily. As the reading have said, that it is our privilege to 
to meditate upon the things of Christ, to, to seek more of His love and of His power. And in this we shall grow. We want to grow in this knowledge so that we can understand it and appreciate it, O Lord, as much as we can. The love you have bestowed upon us in calling us your children. Help us to represent you wherever, Lord. Help us to speak through our conduct, through our lives, through our thoughts, everything about us that we are your children. Help us not to be ashamed of you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done for us in Christ. Now today, Lord, we will meet with circumstances. We will meet with individuals. We will meet with different things. Help us, O Lord, in all of them that we shall shine like light as you have promised today. We thank you for your promise and you are going to do it. For faithful is he who has promised and faithful is he who will perform it. Thank you, Lord, for also giving us a heart to yield to your spirit. Bestow upon us, O Lord, double portion of him, of that of your spirit today, that he may lead us and direct us in all our ways. Choose our words for us. Choose everything for us, Lord. We yield ourselves totally to you this morning. Thank you for answering our prayer. Thank you for giving us what we have asked for. For we have asked in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.